0: Welcome, 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 everybody, to a extra solo feed edition of Mean Age Daydream. I know I've been talking about doing these for a while, but here you go. Proof is in the pudding. That is also, of course, the name of my pants line, which, uh, of course, is pants lined with pudding mix. That way, if you're a man and you go to the bathroom and you're uh, you're shaking off after taking a pee and you get a little pee spot on your pants, when you walk out, people aren't like, oh, that guy peed on his pants. They're like, oh, look at that, that guy, uh, that guy got a little pudding on those pants, and no one's the wiser. Proof is in the pudding pants, everybody, anywhere you can buy anything. No, but uh, yeah, I've been meaning to do more of these and just haven't had the time. I'm real busy, but fortunately today, a little bit of a slow Friday, so I figured what a great time to get into some topics. Drink a little whiskey, even though it's a little early. About 2.24 my time, but I figure, why not? I bought this Yellowstone Select bourbon whiskey. I saw it at the old Bristol Farms today and figured, give it a try. It's not bad. Not bad. But, even if you're not drinking, I think you'll still enjoy this episode where we talk about a couple different things. Predominantly, it's going to be about the Ukraine, but then we'll get into a little goofiness with uh, everybody's favorite show about White people living in New York City in apartments that they could never afford friends. Yes, we'll get into that as well. So, top of the pops. Tulsi Gabbard and Rand Paul, among others, including Glenn Greenwald and uh, a couple other journalists, have been placed on a list of, quote-unquote, Russian propagandists by Ukraine. Now... Of course, Rand Paul is anti-government expenditures. He is anti-warfare. He is anti-the uh, United States propping up other governments and supplying them with weapons and billions of dollars of money that we don't have, especially during recessionary times. But regardless, he's against that type of thing. Tulsi Gabbard, even though she's not great on many topics, including, of course, climate change and other things where she wants to throw money at the problem, um, she has also been very good on anti-war and has been a a loud and vocal critic of the way in which we are handling the situation, the way in which we're essentially, as I said many times in the show, essentially helping the destruction of Ukraine, right? They, They have no chance of winning, no chance of winning. But yet... Here we go. We're sending billions and billions of dollars over to them and weaponry and helping them and all this other shit. And meanwhile, their citizens—you know, twelve thousand dead—and that's, I would say, probably a very conservative estimate. Millions displaced, economy ruined, infrastructure ruined. Even after this, now guess who's also going to be on the on the tab, right? When this is all done, is there any possibility that the United States will not be committing billions of more dollars to rebuilding Ukraine? because you know that's coming too. So anyway, Ukraine has now listed Rand Paul and Tulsi Gabbard as quote-unquote Russian propagandists. And this is by uh, a list compiled by the Ukrainian Center for Countering Disinformation. Isn't it amazing, like Zelensky, he founds this organization and every time there's a government organization that's founded under the guise of countering disinformation, just like the domestic one that that nutbag Mary Poppins ran uh, before she had stepped down and they supposedly shelved it, but we know they're still using it. They always have the opposite intent, right? Every single time any government organization pretty much is named, it always has the opposite intent uh, of or the opposite name from what its true intention is. So clearly... This Russian, or sorry, this Ukrainian center for countering disinformation is a propaganda arm. That is, its sole purpose is to disseminate propaganda domestically and internationally to try to get more funds and try to get people on the side of the poor widow Ukraine. Now, Zelensky has been very good at manipulating the morons in the world to feel sorry for him, to think he's some sort of great grand leader. And people still think that, right? The people on the left somehow still think Zelensky is this this figure that should be held up on a pedestal, as though he's done some brilliant job handling this. He hasn't. Maybe you could applaud him in the early days of the war, before they knew they were just going to get their asses handed to him by saying, no, we're not going to stand for this. But even then, he's just doing what any president probably should do, which is, well, i got to stand up for my country's independence, but then everything from there on. And especially considering the way they, they've handled the Donbass region, right? Which is basically a region that has wanted to leave for quite some time and Zelensky and the existing Ukrainian regime would not allow them to. So they forced them in. They put them in this basically a security state, even though the Donbass region was still operating with its own little mini governments, with its own little mini economies, you know, basically operating outside of Ukrainian life. But yet they weren't allowed to leave. And now, as you might have heard on my other episode, they've criminalized these people trying to get Russian passports. So not only are you separated, treated like second-class citizens, uh, aggressed upon, and of course, I'm not saying that the people in the Donbass region haven't also aggressed upon Ukrainian, uh, the mass Ukrainians and their military, et cetera, but... You're trapped. Basically, we've got like a like a, a Gaza Strip situation here, right? Where they've, they've created a security state around Donbass and now they can't allow them to leave. Now, the Russians, I think, are going to be pretty much in control of Donbass, full stop. I don't see there's a way Ukraine's going to get them back, right? Donbass is done. This should end now. They should just say, okay, take the Donbass region. Goodbye. You know, let's call it a truce. But no, of course, they won't do that. Zelensky won't do that. Why? Because Zelensky is living the life of a fucking king right now. And if you had any confusion about that, well, good news. Vogue magazine just did a giant cover shoot with the first lady of Ukraine and Zelensky doing all these wonderful photos of them in front of the destroyed buildings, which of course their leadership has led to. Not to say that Russia is innocent in this. Of course, Russia is the aggressor in the circumstances. Whether or not you feel that that was, you know, positioned as such by NATO actions or, or whatever, Point being, Russia was the aggressor. But still, imagine having such a disconnect from what is generous tact, uh, just some sort of self-awareness to not do a fashion shoot in a what is probably a $50,000 gown in Vogue magazine standing in front of the wreckage of various institutions, various planes, various places where people, your countrymen bled out on the ground, right? And to just think, this is a great idea. Now, the amazing thing about this is I don't think that anything will turn, especially progressives, right, who are very conscious of wealth and the trappings they're in and of power differentials and, you know, all this shit like looking, you know, people on the left, they regret being rich. They'll do anything they can to get rich and stay rich. But when it comes to making other people feel bad, when it comes to judging others on their wealth, well this is a big misstep from Mr. Zelensky and uh, his wife. I don't even know or care what her name is. Let's call her Wensky Zelensky. So Wensky Zelensky's out there, they're they're got them posing together in these oh very serious shots, but looking at the table and the you know the presidential mansion and all this other bullshit. The fact that they could take time out of their busy days fighting a war to take these shots, number one, highlights that I guess the crisis can't be that severe in their eyes. Number two, that they themselves are not in such dire circumstances that they can't take some time out to be photographed for what's probably three days by Vogue magazine, which of course... What benefit does a photo shoot in Vogue magazine have for the people of Ukraine? Many of which can't buy it because, you know, the newsstands are on fire. They can't see it because their internet's knocked out uh, or they're displaced in other countries and probably have more things to spend money on, like food or other forms of sustenance than they do on Vogue magazine. Oh, that's right. Vogue magazine is the only purpose would be to win over American slash, uh, I guess, European progressives because that's who reads Vogue magazine. The elite of the elite, the people that have the most money and the most influence who can, can donate to Ukrainian causes. We must give these people billions. Don't you see how amazing Zelensky and Wendelinsky Zelensky is? But I think it's going to be a huge misstep. I think they've fucked up royally. I think this is one of the worst optical things I have ever seen for a free a, What you think would be a public relations savvy individual, right? He's worked in show business. He's obviously manipulated people quite a bit to this point. The media coverage has thus far been very generous to him, despite the corruption, despite the anti-democracy moves he's made, jailing political opponents and outlawing political parties and outlawing passports and all this other stuff. This is the thing that's probably going to tank him the most. This exercise in egoism, right? This exercise in pure hubris, and grandiose, lavish surroundings, and uh, you know the fanciful trappings of the oligarchs that were supposedly cracking down on for Russia, but yet we see the stories about Ukrainian oligarchs with strippers and uh, and yachts and everything else. And now people are going to realize, oh, he's no different. This is all a sham. This is all to enrich himself, enriches his, his wife, to keep power and consolidate power. This is nothing about the Ukrainian people. And that's laid out plain on a 10-page fold in glossy paper. What a couple of fucking imbeciles. But on the other note, I just think it's hilarious too. I also think that them putting Rand Paul and Tulsi Gabbard on this uh, propagandist list is also going to come back and bite them. Number one, Rand Paul has been on, and I believe still is, on the Foreign Relations Committee. So he does have some influence in this. But I think you can also just say, look, these guys are going, now they're waging a propaganda war against domestic politicians who don't want to give them billions of dollars. But on top of that, Zelensky also said that US bankers were war criminals. So you're attacking not only the people that would allocate the money to you, but now you're attacking the people who could lend you the money as well. It's just I don't know. I, I think you're seeing the uh, the end game approaching pretty damn soon here for Zelensky. But let's pivot to another thing. That'll be about 20-minute little uh, little shorty bonus for you guys. A little sip of whiskey. A little whiskey in the afternoon. So, I was just laughing my ass off, right? Because the creator of Friends, or one of, one of the creators of Friends, has come out and said that she is going to donate $4 million to Brandeis University to atone for her quote-unquote internalized systematic racism. So Marta Kaufman has said that she is going to, again, she's she's doing it. Uh, oh, this is for a professorship in African and in African-American studies. Because, you know, obviously no college has that. So I guess you need another one. You need more professors. We need blacker professors and we need $4 million to find blacker professors to do African and African-American studies. So anyway, she's donating this $4 million to advance her, quote, anti-racist views and atone for past racism. And supposedly, supposedly she now understands how she had internalized systematic racism to the point where Brandeis put out a press release from Marta Kaufman and how the, the woman has now come around and realized that obviously friends should not have been all white casting and uh, would never have done such a thing in the past. Even though I would argue that the creator doesn't necessarily have all the say in the casting, and yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a little white. I will say that Friends, a little white, until they brought in uh, Aisha Ty- Alicia Tyler, Aisha Tyler, right? Super hot, tall, black gal that uh, did voices for Archer and, uh, and other things. She dated Ross at one point, but other than that, I think it was pretty damn white. But regardless. To go back now and say, oh, my God, I'm so, so sorry. And, right, and this is, of course, after you've had all these stupid-ass articles come out from progressives about how Friends has a, quote-unquote, whiteness problem, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> black people can't enjoy Friends uh, because of its whiteness problem. Even though it was one of the most popular shows in all of America, among all, uh, all groups at the time. It like, you know, Family Matters. That was all black. Also, super popular. Regardless. This $4 million to atone for past racism just made me think of like, all right, where is this going to go now? She's in the entertainment biz. This is the first foray, the first volley into uh, correcting past wrongs. But where can we take it, right? Why, why don't we use that millions for something even better, right? Can we do a little George Lucas take here? George Lucas made Star Wars. And he said, you know what? I could have done it better. Looking back, I could have done more. I should atone for my past sins of not having advanced enough visual effects and advanced enough a budget to create a giant uh, job of the hut in Empire Strikes Back. So I'm going to go back. I'm going to use my power and my influence and my creator's ability to go back and digitally insert all the shit that should have been in there. So we got a of the hut that looks like he was drawn in colored pencil in the middle of Empire to absolutely ruin the fucking experience of watching that film. We got changes so that Greedo shot first and not Han Solo, emasculating him because obviously now uh, George Lucas realizes that uh, Han Solo should never have been the aggressor here and that obviously there's a huge problem with guns and, and white aggressors in this country. So we went back and fixed that. Are we now going to see... The creator of Friends use her digital powers, use her millions to go back and insert black people into Friends. <laughs> can we can we replace Ross with uh, I don't know with Martin? You know, just use just use Martin's old video. You could probably clip it together with digital magic and make a brand new character, Martin the paleontologist. It would be fucking awesome. Damn, Gina, is that a plesiosaur? Shit. By the way, Martin also great show. You used to watch Martin all the time, as did everybody. All black cast doesn't matter. Still watched it. Don't fucking really care. But point being, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised, right? Retroactively, just uh, just popping in different people. It's like you know when they use colorization in old black and white movies. Well, this is going to be colorization to black up white movies. <laughs> there you go. And there's your episode title. <laughs> All right, guys, enjoy your weekends. Hope you enjoyed this uh, abbreviated extra solo edition of Mean Age Daydream. And uh, don't forget to subscribe, rate, uh, give me the thumbs ups, give me all that good stuff. Reviews, also great. And uh, spread the word, spread the love. All right, that's it for me, Brian McWilliams from Mean Age Daydream. Keep those electric eyes on me, babe. Keep that ray gun to my head. No exit music, so I'm too lazy to edit it.